Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. All right, church family, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. How many are learning some things about when you pray? Can you say amen to that? Amen. God is really, really, really giving us some fresh insight. While you're finding Matthew 21, I want to just uh, just kind of co-sign, I guess, off that uh, announcement about Wednesday night, the 18th of March. We call it our annual ministry summit. If you've not attended this, I want you to put that on your calendar. You need to get this. You're part of Calvary. You're, you're a kingdom builder. You're a faithful giver. You're praying. You're, you're connected. On that night, what do we do? We give a review of 2019. We'll, we'll, we'll hear testimonies. We'll hear about what God has done. There's so many ministries going on at Calvary you might not know. There might be a ministry that you say, wow, I'd, I'd love to do that. You find out more what happens at our Dream Center and what happens in our outreaches and what are our men's ministry and our women's ministry, all kind of testimonies. Then we'll give our financial report for 2019. We'll talk about some things that are happening as we go into this year. It's a great time of fellowship. And, and I'm going to tell you, you will be blessed. So put that on your calendar. We're working on a, a little special item to add. I'll share with you next Sunday if we can put it together. So I want to make sure that that's on your calendar, the 18th of March. I want you to come out, 6.30. We'll be here just, just right at about an hour. And it will be one of the most encouraging times that you've had. So make sure you don't miss that. We want you to get that. Uh, thank you for letting me kind of work through it. My voice today, it's a little bit a little bit uh, ragged, but I can tell you I've come a long way since the first of the week. Uh, completely lost my voice uh, earlier in the week, and I'm thankful that, that uh, I'm, I'm speaking. And, uh, and, and, you know, for me, that's pretty important. So uh, thank you. And if I'm a little hoarse, we'll get there. Everything's going to go well. well. We've been in this study. Uh, I've just been building really for some time looking at God's master plan. We began that a few months ago, looking at some basic principles. And, and I've, I reserved one of these four to move into 2020. And I've been teaching us what happens when we pray. When we pray. It's very, it's very critical. But today, I, I, wanna, I want to, uh, I'm, I'm kind of adding a layer to what I began last week, uh, talking about David's tabernacle. What is David's tabernacle? What in the world does that have to do with you and I in 2020, in the New Testament, at this point in time, most people have never heard of David's Tabernacle. Most uh, uh, services, you never even bring that into thought. So why did God say that's the one thing out of all these places of worship in the Old Testament? Why did God say, that's my favorite? Why did God say, that's the one I want you to emulate, understand? And recreate for me. Why did God say, I'm going to restore what happened in that place in the New Testament? It's very critical. So this is what we're learning. I believe this. Let me help you with this. How we learn these truths and apply them. Someone say, apply them. If, if we just hear the Bible says and don't obey the word, it doesn't do us any good. If we hear and obey, it begins to create impact. Every one of us deal with something I call spiritual stagnation. Uh, you can call it, the, in the book of Revelation, it's called becoming lukewarm. Uh, in another letter uh, in, to the churches in the book of Revelation, it can be called losing your first love. Uh, we know what it's like to just get wrapped up in life, don't we? You know, you're busy and you're paying bills and you're going through the routine of life and, and, and you just kind of slip spiritually. There are certain times that God wants to step into your life with a fresh 
wind of the Holy Spirit with a fresh touch of God and stir up that flame in your heart again. Can you say amen to that? Amen. We need to stir that, that flame, fan that flame. It's like God wants to blow a fresh wind. And I really sense, church family, I want you to get the, these, this terminology I'm using to introduce it. I really believe that God is doing something uh, not just in, at Calvary, but in the church at large right now. I believe there's something that the Spirit of God is raising up, a fresh wind, a fresh anointing, a fresh awareness for the presence of God. It begins individually. Put your, put your hand right here. Say, it starts here. It starts here in this temple, right? It starts with me. And, it begins, and God begins to do that in, in a church, and then in His church, we begin to see something fresh. And I believe that's happening right now. If I could define it in a couple of sentences, I believe God is giving us an increased awareness of his presence. An increased awareness of his presence. I want you to think about that. Not just people going to church, you know, because it's Sunday and then back in our routine and Sunday's having little effect on the rest of the week. It's not just somebody coming in and, you know, checking church off their list. There's an increased awareness of the presence of God. There, there is a rising tide, I believe, that could very well be the beginning of an awakening in this nation. That could very well be the beginning of restoration in your family, in your life, and mine. This, this increased awareness of the presence of God. I could say it in this way, church. This is something we need to learn. I, I want to use this term. It, it, God is giving us an understanding of how to host the presence of God, how to honor. What does that mean? Well, have you ever, have you ever been in a home where you were hosted properly? Have you ever gone to a meal somewhere? Now, let, you know, it's, you know, why do we go to McDonald's now? Or let me, wait, I got, I got Stephen Hall, so I need to say, why do we go to Crystal's uh, more often than we go to the, uh, I don't even know what the fanciest restaurant is in North Alabama. It doesn't matter. Okay, but why do, why do we tend to slide in Crystal's more often than we slide into the fine dining, five-star thing? I, I, I can tell you why you do that more often. Where is it? I'm trying. Oh, it's money, honey. That's what it is. That's, so we can afford it. But have you ever been in the fine dining, you know, five-star restaurant? They've got the, you know, tablecloths down. And now I grew up in Arkansas. I first I had to figure it out a couple of times. You understand? We didn't have any where I grew up. But you walk in and they host you. Anybody with me? They they're prepared for you. You know, you don't stand around and wait for somebody. What do you want? You know, it's not like that. You know, or you come to the counter and you're trying to go, hey, can I get something to eat? You know, you don't go through that. You walk in, they open the door. We're glad you're here, Mr. Sawyer, because they got your name on the reservation. Somebody takes you to the table. They pull the chair out for you. I, I, I thought, see, I grew up in the, I thought they were going to make me fall. I thought it was a trick. I didn't know they was going to help me sit down. And so and I sit down, and then this guy comes up and takes a napkin and puts it in my lap. I'm like, whoa, I can do that myself. See, I didn't, but they were hosting. They are hosting all this stuff. Come here, here's your chair. Here's your napkin. What would you like to eat? You order your food, and they come up, and they all put the plate on the table at the same time. You ever been to that place? Like, no, okay, never mind. So, you know, it, it's, they host you. And, you know, you start thinking, they're glad I'm here. Of course, you know why they're glad you're here. Okay. But they're glad you're there. They host you. Have you ever been in a home? You go to somebody's home, and, and, and you knock on the door, and, and when they open the door, they say, oh, we're glad you came tonight. We're so glad you're here. Here, come in, sit down, and, and you know, everything. Bum, 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 bum. You know, that's God wants his church. 
to learn how to host the presence of God. Not just come in, hey, Sunday, you know, come in. Let's get in, let's get out. Come on, come on, pastor. Buffet is going to be cold by the time we get there. Come on, let's host the presence of God. God, I'm glad you're here. God, I'm thankful you're in my life. Anybody still with me? This, have I lost you already? I don't mean just to hear. When you get up in the morning, God, I want you today. I'm, I'm hosting you, God. I'm welcoming you, God. See, God is wanting to increase the awareness of his presence to help his church to learn how to host the presence of God. And what we're finding is as God's doing this, we, we understand there is, a, there is an entity. There is literally a, a building, a dwelling that we begin to fashion by how we pray and how we hunger for God. I don't mean a physical building. I mean a building, that a, a, a dwelling, an atmosphere, you could call it an atmosphere, an entity where God says, I'm going to step in that place. I'm going to reveal myself. I'm going to be real and big there. Now, we know God's always with us. How many are thankful God's always with us? Always with us. He's omnipresent. That's one of the three qualities of, of the immutable God, omnipresent. But there is another element, a level, another degree, that when we build this prayer place, when we build this worship place, God literally says, you're going to find me there in an increased way. So let me look at a couple of scriptures from last week. Let's go to Matthew 21, verse 12. And I want, I want you to see the terminology. What did Jesus say? What did he want? What did God say? What happened when they began to recognize God wants a place for his presence to dwell? So here we are. It's the triumphal entry. Jesus has entered into Jerusalem to begin the last week before the cross. There's been this massive celebration as people have welcomed him in. And the first place he goes is to Solomon's temple. Let's look at this, verse 12. Jesus entered the temple area. Now, I can't go through everything I did last week. Just suffice it to say, if you calculated the gold, the silver, the brass, the stones, uh, everything in that temple Solomon built, are you ready for this? It, today's money, well over a billion dollars. Well over a billion, okay? So Jesus walks into this billion-dollar temple, right? First place he goes to visit, the, the, the temple where, where they worship God. He walks in. Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. We discussed that last week, but let's go to this. It is written, he said, my house will be called what? A house of prayer. He walks into the billion-dollar building and says, this is not what it's all about. He said, my house. God says, I want a house, and my house is a house of prayer. He walked in that place, and I want you to understand, God said it, my house. When God says, my house, it's his house. Do you realize that God wants his church to prepare a place for him by how we pray and worship and hunger that literally God says, I'm going to live there. That's my house. See, the difference is not where God visits, but where God lives. How many of you have a house? Do you live there or visit there? See, see, we live there, don't we? I don't visit my house. I live in my house. See the difference? God says, I want a house. I want a place. God looks at that. I, it, it's amazing to me. It's not geographical. 
It's not necessarily geographical. It's not something we build with our hands. We build it with our hearts. We build it on our knees. We build it hungering for the presence of God. So Jesus walks in. He clears out all the counterfeit. He gets rid of everything that's in the way and says again, look at it. My house will be called a house of what? Prayer. But you're making it a den of robbers. So watch immediately. This is what God wants to do. This is why I believe he's blowing a fresh wind on the church and we are listening and obeying immediately when, when the distraction is gone, when the counterfeit is gone, and he declares at a house of prayer, the very next verse, 14, what happens? The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Now watch this. The temple had been there. The billion dollar temple had been there. But the blind and the lame did not come into the temple and were healed and rescued till the house of prayer was established inside the temple. When God's church begins to learn how to host his presence, how to recognize the presence of God, in your life when you begin to learn how to build the house of prayer, you know what's going to happen in your life? The counterfeits are going to get moved out. The things that have been getting in your way and the noise begins to be moved out. And the hurting and and the sick and the lame are going to walk in. And Almighty God's going to meet them at that place. Can somebody say amen to that? So let's keep reading. Verse 15. But when the chief priests and teachers of the law... Now watch this terminology. This is such an opposite, such a... the the opposite of what you think would happen. I want you to read this. Look at this. When the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the what? What kind of things? Okay, let's remember, not bad things, wonderful things, and that he did, and what else happened? They observed what? The children. I don't know about you, but the purity of a child in worship, to me, is one of the most beautiful things you'll ever witness and see. I, I, there's something about a child. They, they, they don't have an agenda. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they're not uh, trying to impress anyone. They're not, uh, they don't care what you think about them. <laughs> but when a child is touched sovereignly by the Spirit of God and worship begins to come before God, it's pure and it's powerful. So what happens here? Look at this. All good. They say they saw the wonderful things he did. And they heard the children. I want you to get the emotion of this. The children literally at the presence of God. Children, they weren't just saying, singing, shouting praises to God. Little children just broke out everywhere. How awesome is that? How many of you want to see that? I want to be in some of that. But look how they reacted. That's every leader's dream. Instead, they were indignant. And let me be honest with you right now. When you begin to build a house of prayer, when a church really begins to say, I want the presence of God. I want to host your presence. I want a dwelling place in my life. I want my home to be a dwelling place. Come on. How many want your home inside the house of prayer? I want my home. Look at this. Let's take it to another. How many want your, your workplace to be inside the house of prayer? Come on. How many students want your school inside the house of prayer? Can I tell you something? When God moves in, religion doesn't like it. As long as you look through Scripture, the flesh and the spirit have always battled each other. 
There are going to be times, listen, I just want to help you and encourage you. Everybody's not going to cheer you on when you welcome the presence of God in your life. See, not, not, listen, i, I got to be honest with you. Not everybody wants to go to church where it's a house of prayer. I mean, it's just the truth. Not everybody wants the presence of God. You would think wonders happening and children praising and the presence of God would be like a holy magnet. It is to the hungry. But to the religious, they don't want any part of it because now I have to humble myself before God and say, God, it's not what I can do, but only what you can do. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's only by the Spirit of the living God. And I can't just have a pep rally. And I can't just go through the motion. And I can't just stay on the surface. We're going to have to get real with God. So it begins to change and shift. And, and, and so uh, verse 16, do you hear what these children are saying? He asked them, he said, what are you upset about? He said, didn't you read from the lips of children and infants? You've ordained praise. Let's quickly go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Ephesians 2, 19. I know we read these verses last week, but I really believe that we've got to get them down. Can somebody say amen to that? We're going to hear them until we get them. Ephesians 2, 19. I love this. Because you, look at the transformation. I love to be reminded of who I was and who I am. Can somebody say amen to that? I love to remember where I was when he found me. Look at this. Look at this. Con- verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. Anybody ever go to church before you were born again? Did you ever feel like a foreigner? <laughs> An alien? Mom and dad, you dragged me to church, you know, because it's easier to... Not the fight, you know what I'm saying? And I was in there, and people loved Jesus and praised God and everything, and I was like, what the world? I remember I was a foreigner. I used to be an alien to the house of God. And you know, I, I can, I, just relax, I'd never point you out because I'm so happy you're here. But I can tell who's a foreigner here. <laughs> Don't look at me funny. I can tell. I've, done, I've, been, I've been at this a while. And I can tell people look at me sometimes like, my God. What in the world did he just say? Why did they just do that? He said, some of you are more uncomfortable in here than you are, you know, walking down a dark alley at 1 a.m. and don't know where you are. But it's okay. We're good in here. Safe. It's a good place. But here's what happened to me. Although I used to be on that other side. And see, if you do feel that way, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so thankful you came in today. All foreigners and aliens are welcome in this place. You know why? Because you're going to find the thing you're looking for. And we're, we'll welcome you on your journey. I'm glad you're here looking. I'm glad you're here. So watch this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. What happened to us? We met Jesus. He forgave us. He changed us. We became fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Now watch this. Here's this dwelling place. I'm teaching us about a place created by prayer and worship and hunger, where God does unique things, something God's saying to his church today. Look at verse 21. In him, in Christ, the whole building, not a physical building, a spiritual place of encounter. In him, the whole building is joined together. See that? He's putting us together and rises to become what? A holy temple in the Lord. Do you know that the house of prayer, David's tabernacle, this thing God's doing is more valuable to God than that billion-dollar temple of Solomon. The temple he's building is our lives together. 
seeking God. Verse 22, and in him, you too are being built together. See the power of the church praying together intentionally, on purpose. Being built together to become what? A dwelling. That's a place where God lives. It's not a place he visits. Where a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now I want to look at verse 21 and 22 from the Passion Translation just for you to get a little uh, more insight. So, so look at this. Watch, read, read with me. This entire building is under construction. Who? Now what's the building? We are, okay? So we're under construction, right? That's some really good news. Turn to the person next to you and say, relax, God's not through with me yet. Come on. <laughs> that was really encouraging for some people, I can promise you right there. God's not coming. All right. So watch. Watch. All of us, the building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision. Isn't that good news? God's developing us. God's putting us together. Watch. But I want to show you. There is a fulfillment of this coming. Under his supervision until it rises up. What? Completed. Look, and what? As the holy temple of the Lord himself. Do you understand that God says, I'm not going to stop working on my folks until we have so built a house of dwelling for him that it's literally the temple where the presence of God dwells. God will be everywhere at all times and be available to all men everywhere. But he is wanting to, de- to develop and build and construct and complete a place, a people, a group of people who are so welcoming his presence, so building him a house of prayer where God said, I'm literally going to be found there. I'm going to be available there. I'm going to manifest my presence there. It's amazing. Let's go to verse 22. This means... That God is transforming each one of you. Oh, come on, say I'm included. I'm included. This means that God is transforming. So we didn't start off in this category. You understand? We need some work. God is transforming each one of you into what? My word. The holy of holies. Remember what we've learned? Maybe you're not very familiar with the Old Testament. The, 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 the tabernacle Moses built in the desert. The the, the temple Solomon built that we referenced had three main compartments, the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. And the holy of holies is where this thing called the Ark of the Covenant dwelt. That's what Indiana Jones ran around the world trying to find. There was a real piece that was made, the the, the, the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of that Ark was a lid with these two huge golden angels that faced each other. And between those angels, God's glory... A cloud that glowed with light remained there all during the Old Testament. And only the high priest and only one day a year on the Day of Atonement could go into that Holy of Holies and offer a sacrifice to cover the sins of God's people Israel. But the Bible says in this day and time, are you with me? Because of Christ, that he is transforming each one of us to carry inside of us What used to only exist in one little place on the whole planet. His dwelling place. Do you see that word again? His dwelling place. His dwelling place. How did that happen? Through the power of the Holy Spirit that's living in you. Guys, it's amazing. Let's go to Amos chapter 9 and verse 11. Let's get this little one verse prophecy. 
And I want you to show you this, what I'm teaching you now. What we read in Matthew, what I read in Ephesians, is the fulfilling, not the fulfillment, but the fulfilling of that very thing God doing in the church. Now watch. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David. Not Moses' tabernacle. Not Solomon's, the one Jesus entered and ran the money changers out. But this one little overlooked place. On that day I'll raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I'll raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. David was a man that we've read about who was unique, a young shepherd boy, the youngest of his father's sons. And while he was out in the fields keeping his father's sheep, this incredible man of God began to develop. David loved God. He wrote psalms, songs. He, he, he was a young man being trained to be a warrior. He was a, he was a young man that loved God in an extraordinary way. He had a relationship with God. He didn't meet God in a temple. He met God out in a remote shepherd's field. He encountered the glory of God, and he began to love the presence of God and desire the presence of God. David would write psalms and say, even though I'm the king, I'd rather be an usher in the house of God. I'd rather stand close to your presence than sit in the tents of the wicked. I would rather see you, God, night and day. He said, my soul longs for you like the deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for God. He said, when will I see you? When can I enter your temple? Oh, God, David was motivated, passionate about hosting the presence of God in his life. And David did something in his day that was unprecedented. Moses had the tabernacle with the three compartments. But over the period of time that was lost and, and Israel tried to keep this Ark of the Covenant this, that, that, that honored the presence of God, but they lost the Ark. Because they took it into battle when they were backslidden and the Philistines stole it. The Philistines didn't know what to do with this ark because it created chaos for them because they weren't followers of God. So they sent it back into Israel. They said, get rid of this thing. It's going to kill all of us. And they put it on a cart and the ark went back into Israel. It was there for a period of time. When David finally became king, he said, look, I know who I am. I know how I arrived in this palace. I got here because of the presence of God. God found me as a shepherd and elevated me and killed the lion and the bear and the giant, saved me from Saul. And I'm not going to come sit on this throne and act like I don't need God. I'm going to bring the ark back. And so David brings the ark of the covenant back where it had been sitting idly away. No one knew what to do with it. And David's tabernacle was this. He brought the ark back. And he didn't redo Moses' temple. He didn't put three walls up, three veils up. He didn't put a fence around it. He said, bring me a simple tent and put the ark under the tent. And do you know for the first time from its, from its origin, men and women, everyone could go in and experience the presence of God. David had worshipers and prayer and music and cymbals and horns and harps that played 24 hours a day, seven days a week for almost 40 years. It never stopped. What were they doing? God, we're hosting your presence. God, we're welcoming your presence. And you know what God is saying to us today? Let's go to Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. He's saying, I'm going to restore that. I'm going to restore that. I'm going to pour my spirit out. I'm going to do something. I don't want walls. How many are thankful God doesn't want walls? He said, I don't want to hide behind a veil. I don't want to be restricted. I don't want to be pushed off this. If you guys have got that, I think it's going to be Acts chapter 3, verse 19 through 21. God said, and this is what these verses say. God says, I'm going to restore everything. Before Jesus comes back, look at this. 
Do you know what I believe? I want you to hear me. I believe the restoration of David's tabernacle is one of the signs that Jesus is getting ready to come back. You know why? Because what's been going on in heaven, God says, I want it starting on earth right now. I want, I want this heavenly worship to start spreading out on, my, on earth right now. And what did God say? Repent then and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now watch verse 20. 20 and 21. You got those? And that he may send the Messiah. Who is that? Jesus, who's been appointed for you. Now look at this last verse, 21. Pretty amazing. Heaven must receive him. Literally, it says he must remain in heaven. He is not coming back until the time comes for God to restore what? Everything. As he promised long ago through his holy prophet. You know what God is saying? God says, I'm restoring the tabernacle of David. I'm restoring to my people not a God who hides behind veils, not a presence that's behind fences and curtains and dark and mysterious and no one knows. God says, I want to restore not all the fancy thing. I want to restore a simple little tent where if you were hungry, you could come in. If you were desperate, you could come in. If you wanted to be close to God, you could come in. You didn't have to be a priest or a reverend or an apostle or a prophet or a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher or a missionary. Are you with me? Or a priest or a holiness or a bishop. You just wanted God? Come on inside the tent. You want to worship? Come on inside the tent. God is saying, I will not keep my presence from my people. I want to raise up a tabernacle where people come in and experience the glory of God. It's a covering. It's a place of blessing. It's a place where God comes in and does some amazing things to watch over us. Church family, there, there is a, I want you to turn to Psalm 91 in, in your Bibles right now. I want you guys to get this up. We're going to read this together in a moment. I need to tell you of a little thing about what happens when you come into the house of God, the dwelling place of God, the place where God is there and God is for you. Listen, we're walking in some days where we don't need a little bit of God. We need a lot of God. Anybody with me right now? We need the presence of Almighty God. We need to have the, the, the authority, the knowledge, the presence. See, we're going to send Alyssa all the way to Indonesia, but I'm okay. You know why? Because our tent, our tabernacle, our house of prayer, we've got a flap that goes all the way over to Indonesia. How many are with me right now? She's not going to be by herself. See, I believe as we're listening to this, we're going to be proactive. We're building right now the database so that you can sign up, and we're going to have Every hour of the week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, somebody said, Pastor, I got my watch. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be praising. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to let us start signing up for that. Think about this. We are going to be able to build a house of prayer that never stops for 24 hours, seven days a week. How many thank God for that? How many, how many believe we can get at least 168 people to take one hour a week? Just one. Just one. I told you last week, it might be a crazy time. 3 to 4 a.m. It's all right. When you wake up, guess what? 
and you get up at 3 in the morning to pray, somebody's been praying all day long. And guess what? You're going you're to step in that gap. Oh, my God. And you're going to say, oh, God, I thank you. God, I stand by night in the house of the Lord. I welcome your presence in God. We're covering Calvary. We're covering North Alabama. We're covering our ministries, God. And you're going to pray in about 4 o'clock. Somebody else is going to get up and you're going to say, tag your, well, you don't say tag your, but they're, they're, they're going to get it. And, and, and the presence of God, 24-7, 24-7. You know what I believe happens as we do that? We're creating a place for God to step in and say, whatever you need, whatever's going on, I'm going to do that. I learned a lesson. I didn't have the verbiage I have today. But I understood what was happening as the Holy Spirit led me. See, right now, we are dealing with issues like the coronavirus. And and, and I want to tell you something about the coronavirus. As I prayed about this, I believe God's going to raise his church up. And I believe we're going to rise up his church, we and others. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe we have the anointing and the authority to stop that thing in the name of Jesus. I believe that. Now, it's serious business, and there's not going to be a little thing. We're going to have to fight a fight. But I believe God's going to do it. I believe it's a spiritual battle, and it's a real virus. It's a real disease. Real things need to be done. But I want you to hear me today. I believe, as I prayed, God told me, this is straight out of the pit of hell. How do I know it? Look at its earmark. What does it do? It's a thief. The devil has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. It's stealing people's health. It's stealing people's lives. It's stealing people's peace. It's stealing their joy. It's stealing their money. It's creating economic chaos. It's causing people to fear. God is going to raise a standard up against that. And let me, let me give you a quick hint to that. I don't tell you a lot of stories about me. I, I, but, but let me tell you something. A few years ago, I was in Washington, D.C. for the National Day of Prayer. It had been an incredible couple of days. And, and we finished up one morning on the final day. And, and myself and two other pastors, and one of, one of them had his wife with him, went to have lunch. So three of us, uh, four total, were there eating lunch. And as we finished our lunch, we were only a couple of blocks from the Capitol. You could walk out of the restaurant and look, and there it was right there. So we, we went to the front door to, to leave the restaurant. And when I got to the door to leave the restaurant, there were two armed guards at the door. Now, I've seen guards keeping people out of places, but I've never seen guards keeping people in places. And I, they said, you can't leave. I said, what? They said, you can't leave. I, I said, well, I, I need to go. I've got a plane. I'm flying home. I, I, I need to leave. He said, sir, you need to go sit down. You can't leave. Well, I didn't want to, but he had a gun, and I didn't, so I sat down. Pretty smart. But that's shocking. What do you mean? I said, well, why? He said, I, you just need to go sit down. Wouldn't answer any question. So we went back to our table. Can you imagine a whole restaurant of people? Nobody can leave? Well, you know, rumors start, don't they? Well, they started circulating through there. Somebody robbed a bank and they're running down the street and the police are trying to catch them and you can't get outside. Then 10 minutes later, they're terrorists and you know, it just kept on and on and on. Said, My goodness, we sat there an hour and a half and people are starting to get nervous. You know, you've been in those meetings and those, in those places, this group, you know, it's, it's, getting, it's getting dicey in there. What we didn't know is that this restaurant was in part of a larger federal government building. And... and the, so we're, we're in this restaurant, but it's part of a bigger building. And their heat and air conditioning system is all on one unit. Does anybody remember the anthrax scare that came? People mailing anthrax and sending it through the mail. Well, while we're eating lunch, someone working one of those government offices opened the mail. And when they opened the envelope, a white powder flew out. The person instantly reacted with anthrax symptoms. And so what happened while we're eating... The anthrax spores are blowing through that system all over us. So when they locked us in the building, it wasn't to protect us. It was to protect the people 
from us. They felt that we were infected. So when they finally told us that, can you imagine what happened in that restaurant then? People began to weep. The little lady, our server, began to cry and just sat down. People were just overwhelmed. And as I sat there processing that, the Holy Spirit said to me, have your people, have this table, start quoting Psalm 91. I couldn't remember what I was about to say. I just heard him say. I said, okay. We looked around the table. I said, we're people of God. Let's start saying Psalm 91. And I want you to read it out loud with me. Now, remember, it was the middle of the day. It was a plague. It was a disease. You with me? I want you to read it out loud with me. Because I want to tell you what happened under the shadow of his wing. Everybody with me? I want to tell you what happens according to the word of God. We're in your house of prayer. So let's read it. Read it with me. You ready? Out loud. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God and whom I trust. Now, I'm sitting in a place and they just told me anthrax is blowing on me. All right? This is what we're saying. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. I started getting encouraged on verse 3. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Come on. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. This one set me free. Nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. I said, hold it. We're going to be okay. When we read that, Faith exploded in our hearts. Peace rushed over my soul. The little little server said, what just happened? I said, that just happened. God just took control of this situation. I I know it sounds a little crazy. I'm telling you the truth. I had such peace. Everybody's still crying. Things are crazy. But when God put that in our spirit, I realized I didn't know I would know today. I was in the tabernacle of David. I was under the house of prayer. I had stepped into the wings of God and I was so at peace that everything was going to be okay. I know it's a little crazy. Forgive me. But earlier, I've been sitting there almost two hours now. I'd seen on the menu and I love strawberries. They had a big strawberry shortcake. I told that little girl, I said, it's going to be just fine. Bring me my dessert. I'm going to eat now. We're going to be all right. And we sat there and ate, and people were like, my God, what's going on? In about 30 minutes, they came back on and said, we don't understand what happened. The reaction to the anthrax was there. We have taken it to the lab. We have gone through it three times now, and we don't know, but we're going to tell you it's not anthrax. Everything's okay. You can get up. You can leave, and we went out of that place. Here's what I want you to know today, that God is bigger and greater and mightier, and you as a child of God do not have to fear pestilence, plague, disease, virus. You need to build the house of prayer of God Almighty and stand under that house of prayer. I want you to stand with me. Come on, let's stand together today. The enemy, the devil, worship team, if you'll join me, would love for you to begin to walk in fear. Come on, listen to what I'm saying today. But I believe that God is going to use his people to raise a standard that that is supernatural. Supernatural. Someone say supernatural. It's time for the church to rise up and be who God called us to be. 
Now, Calvary's not going to do this by ourselves. We're going to have other churches and other ministries and other people praying. And I believe it's already starting right now. Something's rising. Something's rising. And I don't know if they're going to give the church credit, but I want you to hear me today. I'm going to prophesy. Now, I got nowhere to go. I've been here 39 years. I don't prophesy, I don't prophesy and leave. If it doesn't happen, you're going to know it, okay? <laughs> Something's going to intervene. And I don't know if God's going to get the glory on television, but you and I are going to know what's happening. We're going to know what God has done. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're in a war. This thing's nasty. I don't know how to explain it. It's a spiritual battle. It's nasty. It's straight out of the pit of hell. But greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. And Psalm 91 is as true today as it was for me in Washington, D.C. And I'm going to re- we're going to pray and take authority over this right now. Because we're the people of God. But I want you to understand something. We need to build a house every day. Come on, are you with me? We need to learn to host the presence of God. It's critical. It's critical. I'm going to teach you next Sunday from 2 Kings 4. There was a Shunammite woman. And the Bible says that Elisha used to come through her city, the prophet. He represents the Spirit of God. And, and, and she wanted the Spirit of God. So this little lady said, hey, well, Elisha, every time you come through, you come visit us and we'll feed you dinner. And that was nice. What was she doing? She was hosting. See what I'm saying? Hosting. Now, guys, if we're going to stand up against anthrax, we're going to stand up against coronavirus, we're going to stand up against the devil trying to rip your family and your life away, we're not going to let, just pray little baby prayers. We're going to have to build together. Do you get those two words? Build together a house of prayer. Now, we, gotta, we must be hungry for more than just enough right so she says you know it's nice that the spirit of God the prophet's coming through town but I want to host him over here let me do something so we can hang out a little longer are you with me so maybe so maybe what God's telling you to do today is he's saying hey 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 if you'll build me a place I'll come so maybe maybe you're going to start getting up 15 minutes earlier you've been getting up you, you got me? Instead of saying, well, I went to church and got mine, maybe you start saying, well, you know, hey, what if God come by on Monday? What if he wants to come by my house on Tuesday? What if he wants to come by on Wednesday? What if I could have an encounter every day instead of one day a week? I, I, hey, 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 let, let, let's invite him over for dinner. See, she's hosting. And then it says, are you with me? She, after they had had him for dinner a few times, she told her husband, she goes, uh, it's been nice for him to come visit. But you know what we could do? We could build him a room up on the roof. And then when he comes, he could stay with us. Oh, anybody? Am I just, you, okay. You're getting this? So, God, what could I do to get you to stay with Calvary? Dwell in this place. You with me? Live in this. I don't mean just in this building. This is part of it. I mean, wherever we go, dwell with this God. Stay with this God. You mean, if I could just be a little hungrier, I might get him to stay? Oh, yeah. He's looking. God's looking right now. Looking. Where can I dwell? Where can I manifest myself? Where can I do something? Because I'm going to tell you something. Anthrax doesn't like to come in the house of God. Coronavirus doesn't like to come in the house of God. The devil already had his 
ears wrapped around his neck choked with him by the cross and he doesn't really want to come back into place where he's going to encounter that very often anybody with me right now if we just want enough to get to heaven you might get a rough ride you'll end up there but you might have some company on your journey you don't want what if we could build a house all right I think you're here guys I know it's a little bit exact same number I did the first time I'm three minutes over I know it's lunch and stuff and you got things but I'm going to ask you to do something because I think it's important that we need to build together this house of prayer so I'm going to ask everyone to come stand at the front we're going to worship we're going to let you go in just a few minutes but I want us to get this feel of community I want us to get this feel of I'm standing with my church God's building something here anybody sense what I'm saying right now anybody Okay. thank you for those three amens and two holy grunts Come on, come on. Are we building something right now? We're together. We're together. We're together. We're together. We're together. We're saying, God, I want your presence. God, I want to build this house. God, I want to be hungry. God, I want you to do something. God, I want you to show up. God, I'm thankful for what you've done. But what if this holy thing begins to happen? Anybody catch what I'm saying? What if we can begin to do something that, that causes you to dwell, to stay? Just walk in the house and God's in the house. All right, come on, let's begin. You guys lead us, and, and we're going to sing. I want you to sing. I want you to open. I want you to invite him. Worship and prayer builds this house. Let's, let's put some blocks on it right now. Would you do that? Come on, let's do it. Hallelujah. Come on, lift him up. All hell, King Jesus. Come on, Lord. Jesus. Come on, let's build. Let's build right now. Let's build. Come on, welcome, welcome, Lord. Welcome, Lord. Welcome, Jesus.
Hallelujah, Lord. We just lift our praise. Church family, let's open wide our hearts, our worship, and say, Lord, use us to build something. God, use us to build a house of prayer. Lord, we're growing. We're learning. We're, we're, we're coming open, God. We want to build you a place. We want to host your presence. We want to be more aware of your presence. God, you want to lead us to greater things, better things, breakthroughs, life, freshness, our first love, a fire in our spirit, God. Not a shadow, not lukewarm. God, not just emotion, but an encounter with your presence, God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the power, the presence, the protection of the house of prayer, the house of God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You can stop every plague. You can stop every pestilence. You can stop every work of the devil. You're greater, stronger, mightier. God, but you're going to use your church. So church, let's pray together right now. I want you to agree with me right now. Father God, we raise our voice today. Not in our name and not in our ability. But we stand in the authority of Jesus Christ. And we declare according to your word that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So we curse the coronavirus and send it back to hell where it came from. God, I pray that you raise a standard, that you lift up a standard, that the spirit of healing and health and Christ will stop it. We draw a bloodline in the blood of Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus. We lift up the word of God. We stand in agreement that Satan's strategy is broken, that hell is defeated. We say enough is enough. We pray today in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for those that have been afflicted, that you will heal their bodies and stop the spread. We pray for our health care workers, that they will be safe and protected. We pray, God, that Satan will not cause fear and panic and heartache and confusion, but you will raise up the voice of the godly and there will be faith and hope and healing. We curse the virus in Jesus' name. Stop in Jesus' name. Go away in Jesus' name. We send you to hell in Jesus' name. Go back to the author who released you. Every demon, every spiritual force behind this, we expose it and cast it down in the name of Jesus, we pray. Father God, we pray for China and Japan, and we pray for Italy and places in Europe. We pray for Washington and California State here. We declare enough's enough. We declare in the name of Jesus, raise up an army of prayer. Raise up a warrior of prayer. Raise up a wall of prayer. Raise up a wall of your presence. Raise up a wall of healing and health. We declare the thief that may have come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come. Jesus has come. Jesus has come to give life, 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 to give life more abundantly in the name of Jesus. Lord, we raise up prayer. We just do what we do. We pray. We worship. We pray. We worship. We declare your word. You are almighty God. You are almighty God. You've overcome. 
You've overcome. We lift your name. We lift your name. Lord, we, we commit to stand in the gap. We commit to lift up our voice in prayer. God, we commit to walk into this and stand and build the house of prayer. Let it spread, God. Let it spread. We pray that sickness stops and glory spreads. We pray that sickness stops and healing spreads. That sickness stops and the presence of God is released. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we trust you. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we will pray. We will stand. We will worship. We will lift our voice. We'll create that thing you want, God. That house of prayer. David's tabernacle. The place where men and women come in your glory. We say yes. Hallelujah. 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 Church family, you're in in the kingdom for such a time as this. God's using you in a great way. And I want to encourage you. Don't doubt your prayer. Don't doubt what you can do. Don't doubt how God will use you. Don't doubt your place in in building a house of prayer. Amen? Amen. Let's grab this and do it. We're going to do this again. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.